This is an IndieWeb podcast, episode number 12, recorded Thursday, December 13th, 2018. Uh, my name is David Shansky. I can be found at david.shansky.com. If you have never tried to spell that, uh, that's S-H-A-N-S-K-E. Not everybody gets the E right. And I am joined by Chris Aldrich. Woo-hoo. Who can be found at bafosaco.com. That's with two Fs. And a bunch and of O's. CK. And a bunch okay. of O's. We try. So what's going on in the the, the world of IndieWeb for you, David? Uh, well, let's see. I was waiting to record a podcast all evening. <laughs> uh, so but you I, weren't waiting the whole time holding your breath. I bet a couple of times you at least uh, I, turned blue and passed out and fell off the chair. I was going to say while I was waiting, I did something. But... <laughs> uh, so I've, I started out by uh, continuing my work with Parse This. So another individual who is not me, uh, to which I am eternally happy, by the way. Yeah. That finally there is a indie web project that I am not writing. Except I'm contributing anyway. Well, you know, little bits and pieces. Yeah, so uh, Jack Jameson has been working for a bit now on the Yarns Microsub server. So Microsub being the reader protocol that uh, has captured the imagination of indie webbers everywhere this year. And I found out that he had used some of the code from the PostKinds plugin that does parsing. So I split that code out into its own repository, and I've been working on it. So every time he finds a bug, I just go and fix it. Does that mean we can't actually run two copies of it at the same time? You actually can. You could. Um, I'm running three. <laughs> What's the third instance for? The one I build all the other instances off of. So parse this is installable as a standalone plugin. And it's bundled with postkinds and it's bundled with yarns. Oh, so it won't check if if it's already bundled in for some other reason and then not actually load it. Well, um I made some changes where um the postkinds version will only load parse this inside the function that it needs it for. So it doesn't load it globally. Okay. Which means if you install the parse this plugin, it will use that version. Now, I was going to make sure that Yarns did the same thing. I'm not sure if it's doing that right now. Okay. So maybe it was the year of the parser before it was the year of the reader? Uh, well, in order to get the reader, you need the parser. Ah, okay. So parse this got a lot of uh, new tricks so at uh, berlin i started by teaching it how to parse rss it now parses rss um, ogp which is the open graph protocol it uh, is better at microformats than it used to be it does feed discovery and if you want to actually see what it returns for testing purposes within the IndieWeb settings menu on your system, if you have either the either version, the PostKinds bundled version, or the standalone version from GitHub, 
you can go into part the parse this option in the menu, which is the debugger, put in a URL, select your options for return, and it will return what it finds. Now I know the first question we're gonna have is somebody's gonna say, where is that hiding? It's not really hiding. And by and by bundled you mean it's a a set of code that's built into the post kinds plugin already. So if you have the post kinds plugins, it's already there. Yes. And if you don't, you can install it separately. Uh, you can actually tell the difference because if it is installed separately, there'll actually be something on the parse this page that says you are using the plugin version of this. Mm. So that's my little testing bed. So anybody who says, oh, parse this is, uh, me, post kinds is not returning the correct information or soon yarns can actually go into this menu and see exactly what it is that parse this would return for any and given which, site. And, and where is that menu hiding? Uh, if you go under the IndieWeb menu, if you have the IndieWeb plugin installed, and then go to parse this. Okay. So you should see it. And if you put in, let's say, uh, bafosaco.com. Uh, by the way, uh, as a special, uh, let's say, difficulty, if you put in the website that you are running it on, it will pull it directly out of the WordPress database. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Well, we all need something to work on. So that's been a lot of, well, that's been a lot of uh, work. I've been doing some post kinds improvements themselves uh, to the underlying structure. And uh, right now I've been making the rounds because of WordPress 5.0, which I think was one of the things that we were going to talk about. Oh yeah. So this is an indie web podcast, but uh, one of the biggest concerns for the indie web community right now on the WordPress side has been, uh, what do we do about Gutenberg? Gutenberg which being is, the big uh, show-stopping feature of 5.0 and beyond. Which we've been waiting for all year, and it's been pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, this last week, it actually pushed. But um, Well, have you tried it? Uh, I have tried it on a, a test server uh, to at least some extent. I've tinkered around with it a little bit off and on over the last month, but I do not as yet have it running on a production site. Well, I'm running mm-hmm. 5.0 on a production site. I've just turned off Gutenberg. Yeah. Um, and my intention is to keep my, at least for the moment, my main production site running on 4.9.9.9.9 until we desperately need to make the upgrade. Well, I have not noticed the difference um, using their classic system. Yeah. So and even post kinds and the whole suite of... If you use the classic. Stuff work, works fine. Just not as long as you're using... The, yeah, as long as you're not using Gutenberg but are using the classic editor. Yes. Okay. Now, That's, I've started you know, going through the plugins one by one to see exactly how uh, good and happy they can be. Yeah. Uh, just because people have already started asking. Specifically about PostKinds. Yeah. PostKinds is the hardest plugin to actually deal with. It is the most tied into the classic editor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's probably the one that's going to take the most work to Gutenberg guys. 
if I ever decide to do it. Yeah. Uh, which is still up in the air on how I'm going to handle it. But uh, syndication links is now certified as 5.0 and Gutenberg compatible. Certified by me, a person not using Gutenberg. So. <laughs> well, are, are we aware offhand of anybody who is super? Because I, the impression I've gotten from most is that generally we're not pro Gutenberg. Well, I'm not anti Gutenberg per se. Um, yeah. I can try to explain what the issue is. So Gutenberg's design is, in order to do these fancy blocks, what they've done is they've put these blocks using special hidden secret markup inside the post content. That's how they do their block stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, again, if, if that's what you want, uh, so much more the power to you. But there are a few other issues. So, for one, if I want to test something, then I have a problem. Because all, the way that PostKinds works is it injects things around the post content, not inside it. So I have two choices. I could go and create these blocks that pull things out of the system and mark it up inside post content, which is number one, or I can just continue doing what I'm doing and latch onto their user interface stuff to show buttons and dials in the new interface, both of which have their pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, I mentioned syndication links is compatible, but it's still using... Uh, classic editor meadow boxes and compatibility settings it is not i did not update anything for so at the end so it's not like you've rebaked it to no. work specifically well in order to rebake anything into gutenberg the other thing i'm not 100 percent thrilled about is it's all react and javascript mm -hmm. and i don't like heavy javascript implementations i do very light javascript so the extent of my javascript is you click a button, it pulls something from the back end, which is PHP, and shows it. That's about where I leave my JavaScript. Anything Sounds more good. complicated than that, I probably stole the code from somebody else because I don't like writing. <laughs> or borrowed. Yeah. Well, I think most of us prefer, you know, the posh method. Well, I like server side. Client side is not my thing. So I'm reluctant to go and learn something that I don't like doing. Yeah. And it is always possible that if I force myself to learn it, I might like it or I might not. But I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. So I'm sort of reluctant to go in that direction, mm -hmm. especially when I haven't figured out how I would work with the block system. Yeah. How the, well, I don't think a lot of people have figured out how to work with the block system. I'm talking about design. I'm not talking about actually writing it. Yeah. Well, how, does, how does all the stuff that we're storing in PostMeta, which is all the microformats properties, how would that work? Do we, I have a block, but the block isn't really inside the post content. It's still the same thing I'm doing before. And if I do that, then what do you do with... If you want to have commonality, what do you do with micropub posts? Yeah. How do you intersperse posts created by Micropub, posts created by the classic editor, and posts created by the new editor? So there's a lot of questions that I haven't quite figured out how I would want to deal with it. 
and then maintain backwards compatibility for people who haven't made the jump from four to five. Yeah. At the so, same time. So I have other plugins that probably are easier to figure out. So if I was to try converting something to Gutenberg, it would probably be one of the other plugins. Yeah. Before I, and then use what I learned there to consider doing post kinds. And then the, the other com- consideration too is, particularly in something like PostKinds that's injecting micro formats. And typically as a, you know, a, a lot of it providing context, how do you keep all that stuff outside of an area that's marked up with e-content as a micro format that gives you context versus the actual e-content that's the part the user is creating to to display. Yeah, I spent all this time figuring how to do that in PHP. I haven't quite figured out how to do that with blocks. So, yeah. Again, for now. And ha- and has that because uh, I've seen a few sites and I most for the most part they're some of the random themes rather than some of the more indie web compatible themes. Uh, but I've seen a bunch of random sites just putting e-content on the, the whole of everything. Well, that's always been the problem. If you, so what was your solution? Well, my solution, and not everybody likes it. In fact, earlier today, uh, somebody was saying that they were having a technical problem trying to implement mine. Now, everybody puts all of their extra stuff into into the content filter, which is what filters the actual post content. Mm-hmm. so they add in ads they add in other bits of information because it's the only dynamic filter that everybody knows you have yeah it's kind of like jet i think jetpack uses that to put all the jetpacky stuff at the bottom of your post yeah so what i did was i wrapped the actual post content the stuff that comes out of the database in e-content in that same filter so that it would go in and be wrapped before all those other things were added in. But that can be very fragile depending on who's working with it. Yeah. So is it potentially the case that your version, and I know you've pushed a few tweaks to your 2016 forked theme in the last week. Um, But not around that. Is it possible that, I was going to say, is it possible that the breaking change was somebody who upgraded because there was concomitant with the push to 5.0. I think there was an update to the 2016 theme that you may not have added into your changes within the last week as well. Uh, And maybe that's where the fragility is coming. I backported all their changes. Okay. All the ones, I all the ones they said they did for Gutenberg. Just to yeah. cover myself, I backported all the ones that didn't seem like they would cause trouble. Like mm. the extra styles and other things that you might want. Yeah. I started going through a little bit of it today and comparing your version with the current version and saw a few subtle changes with how things were laid out. Um, and there are a reasonable number of line item differences as the two of them diverge somewhat. Yeah, well, but mine is heavily modified. Oh, heavily. I know. I think mostly, in particular, the case that it's 
strips out post formats for post kinds altogether. And who wouldn't want that? Well, there are a few other minor things um, I added in rel feed and a few other tricks in the last revision. Yeah, I did see that rel feed. I'm kind of curious to swipe that. And well, you well, if you look at my site, I decided to move the the feed off the main page, which meant that I had to build into Postkinds a nice little uh, menu widget. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you were one of the two people who suggested that I put in the menu widget. Because you've had a similar looking menu widget on the top of your site for some time. Yeah. A very it's actually not a widget. but Painfully hand-coded one. Yeah, so this one is automatically generated. Uh, you can go into the menu and select which options you actually want in this widget. It doesn't have to be all of the ones that you have enabled on your site. And so I noticed you've started to to dog food this yourself in the last couple of days. Well, I designed it too. So you've, you've so you've moved all of your feed off your front page. And if yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got essentially. Just one big massive H card on the front of your site right now, correct? Yes, which is included in the theme as a a page template that you can add to your site, which will pull in the H card function from the Indie Web plugin. So, in order to do all the stuff that I did on my website, I had to update the Indie Web plugin to allow me to pull in the H card, make some changes to the H card as well. Mm-hmm. I had to build this widget to allow me to, once I move stuff off of the main page, to link to it. And the widget is also marked up with rel feed. And has an optional all posts link at the bottom. Nice. And I snuck in a few other things. As I posted today, I snuck in something because I was talking to you about it. Oh, and which one was that? So the PostKinds plugin has a hidden on this day feature. Oh, okay. Not that hidden. It just I haven't quite figured out how, what to do with it. Well, so, I was looking. I was looking at some of your code today, and I don't think I came across that part yet. Well, if you look at the post that I posted this evening, December thirteenth, I actually um, described how to use it. So if you add on this day slash the month and the date then it will actually pull up all the posts that were made on that day. Slick. And so this is built into PostKinds, correct? Yes. Um, it's because okay. I was re- I was rewriting um, URLs anyway in order to add in uh, kind um, date-based archives mm-hmm. and kind tag-based archives. Oh, nice. So if you went to, and the example I put in this post was, if you went to slash kind slash photo slash 2018 slash 12, you will get photos from December of 2018. Very slick. And if you went to... You you buried the lead. (laughs) And if you go to slash kind slash photo slash a tag, such as Parkology Challenge, which is the random tag I picked, then it will give you all photos that are tagged with Parkology Challenge. Yeah, and that's actually a good example to use too, because that's 
for those who haven't been following, you recently went to uh, Disney World, Florida, and Epcot, and what are the the other two parks? Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. And you made a one-day attempt to ride every ride at all four parks. Well, uh, my brother, who was one of the people who spearheaded this idea, along with uh, two family friends, is already planning a rematch. And I'm sure he will talk me into considering this again. Well, how much weight did you guys lose in the 20 miles that you ran that day? Uh, 17 plus. We didn't get to 20. Okay. Uh, All I can say is the day started at 545 when I woke up. We left the hotel at 630 in the morning. And we returned to the hotel at one twenty-five a.m. <laughs> Having ridden all the rides, but what three? Uh, no, actually, uh, there were forty-six rides open that day, and we rode thirty-six of them. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty serious for you know four four separate parks. Uh, we cleared three parks, and I have badges. I I was very disappointed that Greg uh, McFerry, who keeps uh, talking about uh, badges did not say anything about my badges. You know, I posted them on my site that I, I, I won three badges out of a maximum number of badges of five. Well, I think he, he, he probably, he would have been more excited if you had gotten those badges via web mention rather than cutting and pasting. Well, um, but the nice part over. is all, all of, all of the evidence is actually physically on your website. And I had to say that, well, that, that page was pretty impressive. Well, that took a while because <laughs> I was originally, my plan was to do the entire thing through my website and posse to Twitter, which is required for their challenge. Yeah. If you read their rules, they accept Twitter, although they also say to have fun. So I probably could have convinced them that it was official. Yeah. Um, but I was having enough trouble dealing with the fact that I have avoided roller coasters for like uh, for over twenty years, and I went on a lot of roller coasters in one day. Yeah, uh, which is not bad for somebody whose last roller coaster was nineteen ninety nine. Oh, uh, yeah. It was. Uh, imagine going on a on a ride that involves you dropping down the equivalent of an elevator shaft. And then getting to the bottom, it going back up, dropping you again in a random sequence, and then going on a, an inversion roller coaster afterwards. <laughs> While running all the time between the two. By the way, 20 minutes later, <laughs> if according to my timeline. But right. uh, so, since the requirement was to take pictures afterwards, I went back to all of the pictures that were taken that day and included them. Because so I didn't have, have time to do it then, I was actually using Swarm to backfill. So where you were you were checking in on Swarm throughout the day and taking photos, and then? Well, I did not take all of the photos. Some of the photos were taken by my colleagues. Okay. So uh, we put one person in charge of the of the selfie. Yeah. And stuff. I, so the only time you would see photos that I actually took during the course of that day would be when uh, we had to separate. We had to do a single rider. Okay. But all the photos are there, and uh, had I gone through my website for the location, which does actually work, um, I wouldn't have gotten the details of each ride automatically, which is what was coming through with Swarm. So at some point, I have to get that venue database going. 
but so you did so you got you had swarm and then with own your swarm i'm guessing you got the the posts the, came back with the exa- with the timestamps and the I, names and the posts with the timestamps and then you just backfilled manually the photos yes okay but i did take some photos that day that i posted directly at the time it's just we didn't really have that much time for photo taking we were, bit, well, we were a little I, busy I was kind of surprised that they didn't use or accept swarm as a means of verification. Well, uh, um, I did, I did briefly talk to one of the two gentlemen who uh, ran this event, uh, who came up with the idea and uh, was running it that night. Oh, so the the parkology, there are two, two guys and one of them was there. was actually there. Okay. Well, uh, you, you could learn all about it in the article that I uh, linked to. Uh, the Orlando yeah. Sentinel actually did a story on this. Now, if I could find somebody who could get me a print copy, this was apparently on the front page of the Sentinel. Oh, yeah, and it happened within, was it the same day you were doing it or the day after? One of the the reporter who wrote the story was actually there that night, and the picture in the article includes me in it. That's oh, why I, okay. it was the same picture I had posted a, few, um, a day before because the way that we had arranged the picture is we had gotten one of the Disney photographers to do it, and we scanned all of our things so that we all had a copy of it nice i am still waiting for the orlando sentinel to ask my permission to put my picture in the newspaper but <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll let it happen good luck with that uh well it's a nice yeah. picture everyone looks yeah. happy even though yeah. it's like one o'clock in the morning actually no at that time it would have been twelve thirty. yeah sorry i'm checking my schedule so uh well, I've done a lot of check-ins on one day, and I've even done Disneyland days with 20 check-ins probably. But I've never done one with as many check-ins as you have well, I'm, that day. I'm waiting for, um, there's a Disneyland version of this challenge. Yeah. So you'll have, which you'll have got, to start which planning. I, which I have to think is significantly easier, because it's just two parks, and literally they're within short walking distance from each other. But... I think it's 49 rides. Uh, yeah, maybe that. But although yeah. it's so the distance you, you makes it a hard press to get all of them opened at the same time. Yeah, but. it's uh, there. The challenge is, is also a logistics one. Yeah. So as part of the preparation for this, I got um, Posse to Twitter with photos working. I found a whole bunch of problems that were happening with it. Uh, I also figured out why location Posting to Twitter using Bridgie was not working. Uh, and now it appears in the Bridgie literature. Nice. I thought it was a parsing issue, but it turns out it was not. It turns out that there's actually a setting for this in Twitter. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So now to, I will quote the uh, update to the Bridgie instructions. Uh, to make location work uh in Twitter, you need to enable location for your account, open the privacy and settings page, and check the tweet with the location box. So apparently, if you use the Twitter app and select location, it will always show it. But if you're using a third-party app, you actually have to enable this feature. Okay. Something I did not know, um, because I don't use the Twitter app, and I don't use the Twitter website. I have only been doing this. Yeah. So now it's there, and that's been solved. So you're ready for Disneyland, then? 
Well, um, I did suggest that if we tried a indie webcam Los Angeles again, that we tag on a day. And, oh yeah. Uh, but I was not suggesting a parkology style day. <laughs> well, we could we could maybe do a an organizer's day on a Friday. Well, I thought it would be a fun, it's thing. a little quieter. You know, instead of I don't think we've ever tagged on a you know just go do a social type activity, do an indie webcam. That itself would be an interesting experience. Uh, we've done, you know, go to a bar afterwards type events. Well, I I would have to think a an indie web parkology challenge. Maybe we should do it on a Monday or a Tuesday after the camp. That way, you can spend the weekend setting your website up to actually be able to accomplish. Oh, my website could actually accomplish the rules of this. Um, I just found that. I couldn't experience the situation quite as well if I was doing that. Yeah. Well, it's so, a lot of work. Yeah. So um, the person who was doing the photos uh, had more of a challenge than I was because he was trying to get four people into a photo and ride on it. Uh, if you saw the list of some of those rides, not all of them were conducive to photo taking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. no almost none of them, really. Well, I'm not so much thinking of the darkness. I'm more thinking of the... Uh, you're afraid your phone is going to be lost yeah, in the yeah. or fall in the water. Um, no. I, I mean, was prepared. I, you know, um, I I did Disneyland three times in two months this year, uh, and even at a leisurely pace, it's not easy to check in at each and every ride or restaurant or. Well, that I was able to do, um, the way that I. Ha- but uh, if you actually look in the pictures, I was wearing a fishing vest. And you know, this is sort of slightly indie web off topic, but um, being able to check in and getting everything done made me want to build a native check-in interface. More okay. so, well, not that you haven't wanted to do that for. Well, more so. Every time you know, I I realize that there's something that I've wanted in theory that I could be using at a for a very specific use case. It makes me want to do that thing more. Mm-hmm. So there's where I am. Oh, so here uh, here's the other big question too. Uh, since you were on a handful of uh, roller coasters, and I know you've built an altitude into the simple location plugin, did you lower the height limit so that any of your check-ins? Well, the check-ins were all. Remember, the check-ins were done through Swarm, which doesn't do altitude. Oh, it, okay. So, so you're just had I there. had I posted it using Indigenous, that probably. Let me think. Have I actually got an Indigenous to do altitude? I know that uh, he was trying to send it, but I have not checked that in a while. I'd have to actually go somewhere high enough for it to make a difference. Yeah. Um. The last few times I was on planes, the phone couldn't get a GPS lock. So you would see, um, when I was on uh, JetBlue on the way down to Orlando at six in the morning, I was on my mm-hmm. phone on the Wi-Fi figuring out how to uh, get into the FlyFi system and get a JSON return of the location. Okay. So I now have enough information. It, it took a little doing to find the right endpoints, but I now have all of the things necessary in order to write an app to extract the location automatically 
from FlyFi. Nice. I haven't quite figured out how that would work, but I have time. Yeah. But I do have a little program on, uh, on my phone that uh, sends a signal and just comes back and extracts it visually, if not sending it somewhere. Yeah. So I could do the whole um, Aaron Parecki thing where I um, track my progress across the country in five-minute intervals. Okay. That's pretty slick. Well, um, I found that people have actually extracted the same information from uh, GoGo InFlight. Mm-hmm. And then I just started tracking down endpoints and reading through the reading through the JavaScript to find the endpoint it was using to dynamically refresh the location. Mm-hmm. And Click. then I got then I got there and somebody said, "What did you do on the plane the whole time?" <laughs> Other people watch the in-flight entertainment system. You're sitting there trying to decode JSON. Okay. Yeah. But, well, to each his own. Yeah. Or her own. If anybody would like to join me on the plane and decode JSON, I accept people of all races, creeds. But. Oh, no, I have a question for you. Yeah. So I'm looking at one of the photos from your check-in on the Kali River Rapids. Yes. And at the bottom of the post, there's a, your avatar and name with a little description that looks very much like the bio block that's standard within the 2016 theme. Yes, I brought it back. And I was going to say, as I was reading your code literally this afternoon, I could have sworn you, you excised that. And here it has come back. Uh, no, it had been excised uh, in the previous version. It's now noted that if there's if the H card widget is not enabled then it on the page then it will use this instead. Okay, so it throws that back in at the bottom. Yeah, so if you if you use the edge card widget in your sidebar then it will not show this. Okay. So this part of the change is it checks for um, whether or not there should be an H card on the page somewhere but the only one it can tell is the widget. So yeah. if the widget is enabled this is not if the widget isn't enabled this is enabled instead. And it's the only H card on the page. Okay. I thought you were. Going, I, I thought when you said you were looking down, you were going to ask about the plastic bags. Well, I, you know, usually when you're wearing plastic bags at a theme park, it means it's a, a river or water ride. And well, there's nothing yeah. like a river ride at, at, in 40 degree weather. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think I did. I did that once on. Uh, I did it in the spring or early in the day and got, just totally got soaking wet and lost three pieces of clothing on the ride as well, which is a whole other issue. But I, I didn't plan ahead with uh, my rain poncho. Well, I had my rain poncho. I had my uh, shopping bags to keep my shoes dry. Yeah. As a result, the only ride that I that my shoes got soaked on was, oddly enough, Pirates of the Caribbean. It must be more rollicking ride in Florida than it is in California. There was a splash. I was in the wrong place. Yeah. But what I've been working on in regards to all of this is filling in those gaps. So I have a whole bunch of things I want to do with media improvements since I was working a lot on photo posting. And I did do some of those fixes, and I do have a bunch of location fixes I'm working on right now. Slick. So... 
as I, I, I keep stopping to do parse this fixes for the yarns project, but for doc for Dr. Jameson, does he have the doctor? Or is your doctor? Still oh, no, I, I think he's still working on it, but you know, he's, he's building a micro sub server in WordPress. So he, he can take the title early in my book. Well, I'm looking forward to that project. That's why you see me stopping everything every time I can contribute to it. Yeah. But in between that, I'm working on simplifying simple location, which oddly enough, the more I work on it, gets progressively less simple. <laughs> You're going to rename it here in five minutes. Export Complex location. location. Well, I have the, the slug, so I, I'm going to keep calling it that. Yeah. But I added a few things. Um, I've been working on the, the actual endpoints that it uses to simplify them. So I've been improving the returns, and I put in some new things. I borrowed a feature from Aaron Parecki's Atlas that I liked. Uh, being the obsessive uh, airport enthusiast that I am, mm-hmm. I borrowed the feature that allows you to key in an airport code and get a summary of the airport and its time zone. And he did it in such an interesting way, I couldn't resist stealing it. He Well, he actually found a website with a large data file of all of the world's airports and downloaded it. And just uses that file. Okay. So I reproduce that. I have a little thing that every um, before I commit, it downloads the latest version of this file and bundles it. Yeah. So uh, now, if you um, if you go and you put it in, it gives you the location of the airport, the name of the airport, and what time zone the airport is in. Nice. Also, at one point, um, just for fun, I was throwing different airport codes at it to see um, if, it, if it, there was one that I knew that it didn't. It even actually pulled. It even actually pulled up an airport that doesn't exist anymore. Although I reprogrammed it to filter out airports that are closed. Oh, that well, I people still might want to check in at those old places, though. Uh, yeah, but the problem was um, I checked out Austin, Texas. Yeah. And uh, the code for the old Austin airport was AUS, and the code for the new Austin airport is AUS. Oh, yeah. So I found it necessary to ignore any airport that was closed. Yeah. Which is a shame because um, I'm one of the few people who remembers Flushing Airport. Well, and somebody may be backfilling old check-ins from 20 years ago. Yeah, well, if if it comes to that, then they can file a book. <laughs> I thought I would do the, the more responsible thing. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So, so I'm looking for I'm looking for an excuse to because I I like airport codes. I'm looking for an excuse to make this work in a pretty interface. Well, or I could see somebody saying, "Hey, let's you know the way people collect uh, major league baseball park visits." Somebody might want to go through and travel through every major international airport and collect. And, you know, of course, Greg could build some badges for that. Yeah, well, for me, the idea is that I'd be able to reference an airport and it would automatically link this information. And that's doing it as a uh, a native post rather than via micropub or 
Well, this is information or something. something. This is information in the background where I can't real um, venue databases are going to be hard, but I thought I could accomplish this. Yeah. My dream is to sort of move towards um, another one of Aaron Parecki's projects, which is uh, his um, posting flights that he's been on. Mm -hmm. The difference is I'm likely to post them after the fact, whereas he would probably post them before the fact. Yeah. But I'd like it if I posted an airport code, if it automatically linked to the airport in question. Yeah. And was able. So if I put in, uh, what's your favorite airport? By three letter code? CLT. Okay. So Charlotte Douglas Airport. Yeah. They have the best rocking chairs of any airport in the, in the North. Uh, but if I put that in, it would automatically link, have, you know, display the name of the airport automatically link to it show the map and the location of my favorite rocking chair i don't know if i can get that granular well you know we can hope but doing that too also gives you at least a reasonable setup for a venue database type of arrangement although i also wonder too how one could abstract those types of databases because they even, you know, even using Foursquare or Swarm, there are quite frequently places that I add to their collection that don't exist already. Yeah, well, they do have an API. Um, part of the problem is um, that it prevent, prevented me from realistically using it is my interpretation of their um, terms of use. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, uh, it's it's one of those things where you just sort of figure out, um, are you obeying the spirit of their terms of use? Because uh, they don't really cover the use case uh, that I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see. Um, I have it here. Or so, a Wikipedia of locations if if they won't do it. Yeah. Uh, we understand that caching Foursquare may increase the speed of your application. We ask you to abide by the rules of retaining data. Foursquare data may be kept for a maximum of 24 hours. Yeah. So the question is, if I'm just using it so that I can display a, the name of the place that I'm at, is that storing data, their data? Yeah. Well, and the chances are you probably created that location anyway. So really, it was your data to begin with. Well, not always, because remember, look at all the locations well, that I use. Now, not always, but... on another technical note, um, look at what I uh, what Own Your Swarm is doing. It's pulling that information out of Swarm, and it is giving me the name from Swarm, but it's also linking to the Swarm URL. Mm -hmm. So we go back to uh, what's attribution, which they require that you must attribute it as a source of your data, either through general attribution or contextual attribution. Yeah. So general attribution would be that I would likely have an attribution page or somewhere where it said what resources I was using. And I have a problem with that now because I have the ability to dynamically change resources. Yeah. So I've sort of had a problem. I've made a note to myself that I have to figure out a way to explain uh, that at any given time what I'm using. But what if I change it? Mm -hmm. uh, so just for lookup providers, I have three of them that will do geo lookups. I have what now? Uh, five map providers. And two weather providers. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, I only have one uh, official geolocation provider, but it's on my list. And the reverse provider is also my elevation provider. 
So I could end up with another category for place provider since multiple you know, Google also has a places API. So the other question is, should, should we start building an indie web siloed open source version uh, venue? You don't need up? to. You don't need to. Web mentions solve that problem. Uh. So if I go and extract data from somebody else's thing, I can mention it and we can share data in that way. Yeah, and I guess then contextually you're actually showing kind of where it came from. Well, you know, you could have other, you could have this venue on other sites. Type. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that could be done there um, in terms of, I don't, even though we've talked about it a bunch of times, uh, not we as in me and you specifically, we as in the uh, members of the community, I've mm -hmm. talked about using web mentions to share um, data. Uh, there was a whole conversation about bibliographic data in that context. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's actually doing it exactly in that way. But it was always the first time. Yeah. Uh, but on a positive note, uh, you opened a uh, simple location bug, and I'm on my fifth attempt to fix it, and I think I'm, I figured out uh -oh. what, the, what the broken <laughs> part was with the last time. Fifth attempt, that doesn't sound good. Well, um, I keep I re completely redesigned the system that does privacy uh, for location inside Simple Location, and apparently I left off a conditional. So I have now written a unit uh, test. So the unit and test, found the conditional. Well, no, the unit test now, if I ever break it again, will tell me. That's okay. what unit tests are for, and that while I hate writing them, they they do actually work for that sort of problem. Yeah. Probably should write some more, but snarfed plus plus. Yeah, the difference being that uh, he writes really complex unit tests, <laughs> and I write very simple unit tests. Well, we all got to start somewhere because I don't write any unit tests. Uh, well, no. The the difference is I don't think the problem that I always had was I don't have the patience to test really complicated functions. I want to yeah. test very basic functions. Well, that's what you have me for. Is the you know. The, the I'm the unit tester in the foxhole, so to speak. Well, I do actually do testing. It's just I don't always think of the scenarios. Yeah. But so those features should be coming in. I also am doing some other minor tweaks, better background data. Yeah. Uh, I have some weather things that are on the list. Oh, so you were you were going through your list of all the the individual pieces that are at least not breaking with Gutenberg. I think we had only gotten as far as simple location. When well, we simple got... location actually has some technical problems, um, but they're doable. So right now, if you use simple location, it adds something to the publish box. So that would not show up in Gutenberg because there's no publish box in Gutenberg. Hmm. So what I would have to do is turn, um, if I didn't want to write a Gutenberg API integration for that, I would have to put that into an old school meta box and move it out of the box that doesn't appear. Mm -hmm. But all the other boxes actually do work. So I just have to redesign the thing. Yeah. To, and that would make it compatible. So that one's close. 
And you said, I think syndication links works. I tested it. Um, I'm not going to say that it looks integrated, but it does actually work. Yeah. And uh, the IndieWeb plugin didn't really need that much. I tested it. It's working. It's now listed as compatible with 5.0. Uh, eventually, I have to get to IndieAuth. IndieAuth should have no impact yeah. whatsoever. It's not really a publishing-related. Yeah, So, but it's nice to have the plugin say that it's been tested with the latest version. Yeah. And uh, I get a very big kick out of the IndieAuth plugin, despite the fact that it is the plugin that uh, stays in the background probably the most. You know, it's a login. Thing. And I keep adding features to it that um, I don't know if they're ever going to come in handy. So um, have you looked at the IndieAuth Manage token page? I actually was going to ask you about that because I remember seeing it at IndieWeb Camp or the IndieWeb Summit when you put it in. And I know I've seen it at least once since, but I actually went looking for it a week or so ago and could not find it. Where were you looking? I looked everywhere. It's under users. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. Users and then manage tokens. I kept thinking it was good. I was going to find it under the IndieWeb plugin submenu. Uh, no, because it's totally a, forgot. Yeah, because it's a user. The tokens are for the user, so it's. Actually under the user. Per user. Because I, I was going to go through, I was The only thing is you only see tokens for your account. Yeah. No, I had, my intention was to go back and start playing around again with some of the micro sub-suite things. Yeah, but what you actually have there is a whole list. It, come, you know, it shows the client name, the icon, the client ID, the scope that it's been issued, the issue date, and the last time it was accessed. And it gives you the option of revoking it. So if you want to get rid of a token, you can. And you know when the last time the token was used. Yep. Assuming it was used, um, yep. to correct that, assuming it was used since I put in the feature that actually records every time you use it. Yeah. So every time you use the token, it updates the last updated field there. You and so the... The newest piece is the uh, the icons. Uh, the icons uh, I built when I was in Manila, so that would have been uh, late August. Yeah. So it does pull in. That's when we were talking about manifest icons in the chat. So I started pulling them out. Because I think mine, uh, yeah, was sometime. Now those icons are not stored locally. They actually are just retrieved from wherever they came from. And since I was worried that somebody would delink them, there actually is a button under the name of the client that says retrieve information that will refresh the icon. Okay. Uh, it doesn't do very much because, remember, um, the icon is ne isn't used unless you're authorizing it. Yeah. Uh, you can also add now, and I needed this for testing purposes, so I built it. You can actually manually add a token. So at the bottom, there's an option to add a token. You put in a name, you hit add, and it will display a, a token on the screen, which once you've displayed it, it will not show again. Hmm. Very good if you, um, for debugging. Or if you have an application that doesn't know how to do indie auth. Yeah. Now, the, the one other piece that we need to 
and I only say this because I've got about 5,000 tokens in, in my dashboard, is a way to bulk or remove it's, or bulk or revoke. It's on my list. It was and a I pick, think, um I briefly tried to fiddle with it, but it wasn't working so easily, so I sort of said it. I have a revoke button. It's close enough for now. Yeah. Well, and, and it works if you want to go through and Hopefully you didn't. Off. Hopefully you didn't create so many of them that you couldn't do that. You, know, you engaged in good hygiene. Yeah. Well, we try. Well, I have a whole bunch in here that were never used or never accessed either, too. So, or remember, never. Uh, if I remember correctly, the the feature went in, in like mid August. So, if any of them haven't been used before that, then you'd have a never. Okay, I was going to say been that... used if they've been used since. Then again, okay. it would update it. So it updates yeah. every time you use it, even if the token didn't have an original date. I still have my original one from June June twenty seventh, which I would have had to have been the second day of the summit uh, when I first tried to log into Monocle. Yeah, so um, always good to clean them up. But I don't see any any reason why that plugin would not just work. Mm-hmm. Now, Bridgie Publish is officially listed as deprecated, even though I have not moved out the registration portion anywhere. Mm. I haven't decided where to put it. But even though the feature parity in syndication links is not exactly one-to-one, the syndication links version works much better. Yeah. It just doesn't have individual settings. So Bridgie Publish used to remember um, have the automatically publish feature. Yeah. Um, syndication Links does not have that feature. It may in the future, but it doesn't right now. So to posse to anything, you need to make an affirmative action. Which isn't that bad. Well, the um, if you look, MicroPub clients also have this. Yeah, I was going to say most of the ones I've seen recently all have it or have been adding it recently. Well, no, uh, MicroPub clients do not have an automatically automatically check the box feature. There's no MicroPub setting for that. Yeah. Although it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea, enabled by default, but right now you always have to decide that you want a posse in MicroPub, so I mirrored that in WordPress. You always have to check the box. Yeah. Well, I think it's nice to have it as a conscious decision. In fact, I actually saw uh, in the last couple of days uh, John Udell, who I think is indie web friendly and indie web cognizant, but not actively pushing that, did an experiment. And typically he's been always syndicating everything he writes on his own website to Twitter. And just for fun, I think he very specifically didn't syndicate one post just to see what would happen. Um, and I think he got a lot of interesting commentary and feedback, either directly on his site or through people manually syndicating things to it. Uh, and then he subsequently wrote about the, how and why he did this little experiment. 
uh, and what his kind of pleasant surprise was that there's still a kind of happy, healthy blogosphere out there that doesn't involve, you know, bigger silos like Facebook or Twitter. Well, I don't know. Um, the fact that I made um, Posse to Twitter work has actually had me doing that more often. <laughs> now, what's missing is um, Posse to micro.blog, which is sort of a hard one because you can't actually actively send anything to micro.blog. You can only put it into a custom feed. and Yeah. On my list somewhere is to set up a custom feed that can be triggered by one of those checkboxes. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the only way. And I, somebody's built a, I think there's a, a WordPress plugin that will create a custom feed for you with a checkbox that does roughly that. Yeah, but I want to integrate it into the system. The way that um, syndication links the posse portion is designed. Mm-hmm is all you need to do is write one single class and it will do all the rest of the work for you. So nice. the options there are Indie News, Twitter via Bridgie, GitHub via Bridgie, or Flickr via Bridgie. Mm-hmm. I could do Twitter via anything else. I could integrate it with any other plugin or any library or anything. Nice. I can create a second. The way that I designed it the same way that I designed Simple Location and I've started to move um, post kinds to, which is to make it very easy for somebody to write a extension plugin that they can activate on their site that would just add functionality. Yeah. So, so now I saw. Speaking of that, was that what the I saw a little ping from you earlier this evening? Well, you um, asked for an example of how you could finally upgrade your post kinds instance. Well, yeah. While I was running around, I saw a little link. So I have not yes. tested this, but I actually wrote out a example of a plugin to register a postkind. Nice. And to ma- there is a function in postkinds that act- all you have to do is add that function to a hook, and it will show one of the hidden kinds that are not officially enabled. Okay. So I made it very easy for you. Okay. Well, now I know what I'm going to be doing the rest of the night. I try. Uh, although I, <laughs> this, is, this is the this is the least I could do for the president of my fan club. There is one thing I have to finish doing first. I noticed uh, we were talking earlier about the update to the 2016 theme, and I totally, without even thinking about it, I hit update last week when they pushed it, and then didn't realize until earlier today that I had updated it which in turn had overwritten probably two or three small manual changes I made six months ago or eight months ago and totally had forgotten to roll those up and put them into my child theme so that they wouldn't be overwritten. Well, you could also, if it's something that I might have done anyway, you could have always asked me to merge it into No, it wasn't you. It was just totally my part with the upgrade to Gutenberg and 5.0. I just went through and... There's been a whole bunch of changes and pushes in the last couple of days. And I accidentally, without even thinking about it, updated my theme and not realizing. No, I uh, meant the tweaks that you overrode, if there are ones that I might consider putting in. Oh, no. Um, so, and that, and that was the other reason that I noticed um, that you had put the bio block back into your 2016 fork, was that was one of the 
small manual changes I made because literally I think it was three lines you have to comment out. Um, so I uh, will apologize for the four or five web mentions that I sent today that most assuredly had a bunch of other junk data that nobody wanted in the web mentions they received that included my stupid little bio block. Well, I have the bio block there, but I think the bio block on mine, if it isn't outside of the content, oh, yeah, I'm sure yours is. Then it should, then it, I should fix that myself. My mine most assuredly wasn't, and it was just a total oversight because I forgot I had not moved those small changes into my sub theme. Well, I hope you enjoy the changes. There's always more coming. Um, I don't know if you have any simple location requests because that's what I'm working on right now. I have some other crazy things to put in there, and some of them are custom uh, bits that you will never see. For example, um, I have my own weather station, and I the way that I designed it is it uploads to a third-party server, and then I pull it back so I don't have to do another API. Yeah. I reprogrammed it to actually have a JSON page that I could retrieve. Oh, slick. I mean, I actually have thought about getting my own weather station just to use that. Yeah, well... I, but the pro- my problem is in Southern California, it's pretty much just sunny and 70, so... Well, uh, my weather station does not have a snow indicator. <laughs> okay. It uh, has temperature. It has dew point. I, it does have rain rate, because it does have a rain gauge, but... I figured um, I might as well get it directly from the house. The problem is now I have to build in new logic to determine, am I actually at my house? Mm. So that'll be coming in the future as well, if I can figure that one out. And uh, because I was working on uh, JSON data sources, um, Mm -hmm. I also uh, exposed access to the JSON data from my ADSB scanner. Nice. So uh, if you, um, I'm trying to figure out the most interesting way to show on my website the planes that are within range of my house. And I have never figured out what to do with that information, but I now have it exposed in such a way that I could do something with it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering, uh, JetBlue Flight 127. Oh, yeah, dying naturally at this time of night. Well, yeah. Um, I wonder where it's going. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to show... I have it on a map. Sometimes I like to show it on the screen. Uh, it is delayed by uh, two hours and seven minutes, and it is uh, Newark bound to Orlando. Okay. Which is not Park- bad, considering... Parkology hoppers. But it's not bad, considering that I'm not near Newark, that I'm picking up this flight. Yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, let's see, what are they squawking today? I have their, because they're transmitting all this data that I'm picking up, I actually do have their altitude, their heading. Uh, If they're squawking any uh, particular additional messages. I just can't figure out what to do with that information. I remember 10, it had been 20 years ago, I think when I was in college and I, had a I carried a scanner around all the time. That can be fun. Um, um, unfortunately, I can't. I'm too far to pick up 
air traffic control unless I just stream it off of liveatc.net. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Delta Flight 2214 is at, see, where's my altitude here? Is at 11,550 and dropping. So here, here's what you can do. Yeah. You can build an, an indie web airplane network that tracks all of these and does check-ins in real time. For planes that I'm not on? And then you could cross-reference that with hashtags and data from Instagram with photos and pull those in. That way the next plane bay story, you know, I'll, has the full tr- the full chain of data from start to finish. I'll figure something out. I just like, as I said, I just like watching it. Yeah. It's really fun to have up on the screen somewhere because I have it all overlaid on a map. Well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you had the fourth Bloomberg terminal, naturally you would have overhead air air flights. Hmm. I would do that here in Los Angeles, but it probably would scare me to death. There's just too much air traffic going over me constantly. Well, if you ever um, want to know how you can get, um, aircraft json data from the vicinity of your house we'll talk there you go but uh oh somebody's squawking so, 1133 anyway um worry about that later i have i have one one more question that popped up earlier or early this morning i think so there was a, a post on brad Enslin's site yeah and he has been i think like many Worried about the issue of what happens with uh, the Gutenberg editor and IndieWeb suite of plugins moving forward and whether it works, it doesn't work, things that get figured out or not. And I know he's been playing around with a few other content management systems, which is always a good thing. Well, he was playing around with Classic Press, wasn't he? And Classic Um, Press is um, the uh, Gutenberg-less fork of WordPress that is going to try to take more of an enterprise focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they originally said business, but I think they've sort of moved from business to enterprise as a term. But Yeah, sounds fancier. Well, it's uh, more uh, business suggests a, a you know, commercial or as enterprise. You know, I have enterprise grade equipment, but mm-hmm. I'm not a business. Yeah. So it's sort of a, that's where sort of the it's the same idea, but it it doesn't feel like it excludes people who don't care about a profit motive. Yeah. So would you well, and that's given changes where CMSs like Drupal have gone in the last year, year and a half. And in that case it's gone from totally a it's still open source, obviously, but you know, they were building tools and things for some, somewhere at least closer to the hobbyist and the average user versus I think Drupal stands now as we're totally moving to the high-end corporate website. I feel like WordPress you know. is moving towards the business and away from the personal blogger. Well, I don't know towards business, but certainly they've expanded more towards the content management system and away from the the blogging-only platform. Yeah, and for people like us who are looking for a blogging platform on 
most basic level, it's our, not what we're looking for. Well, but when you think about some of the things we're doing with some of the indie web tech, the some of the more CMS-y like pieces actually make sense. Yeah, I um, like having them. I'm just more saying that we're focusing elsewhere. So um, I I will continue trying to figure out how to make it all work. But I'm I'm curious if you had any if you had seen Brad's post. And some of his, you know, I think he's been playing around with with known a little bit. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, it, maybe um, gr- the Gutenberg migration planning. Um, the discussion of micro.blog. But I know there's a few out there like he who are kind of worried about where things are going, where we're headed. And should we, you know, be running around like chicken little thinking the sky is falling? We have three years if you go by the classic editor. I thought it was 22, 2022. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, 2019 is how many weeks away? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going, you know, I'm being, I I think that we'll figure out what we want to do as a community long before that. Yeah. Now, now, what would you, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you be happy if the solution is the one that I'm using to hedge my bets? Micropub for, um, and a headless wordpress oh yeah totally i'd go that route so i that will work right now if you ideally ideally even with the year of the reader still evolving i think ultimately it becomes almost a headless with a if if i've got a good solid reader with micropub built in that you know who needs the rest well, I've, I've been predicting that WordPress may move in that direction as part of the whole Gutenberg thing, which is decoupling the back end from the front end. Yeah. Because the front end is going to all end up being JavaScript if everybody has their way. Well, I've seen, in the last couple of years, I've seen more sessions at camps, probably more often for Drupal, with people using the word headless than I have at Word camps. Yeah, but um, you see how that's where they're moving. I don't know if they would say the same thing if you talk to the people who are leading the project. Yeah. Let's say Matt Mullenweg uh, and some of the top developers. But look what happens. The Gutenberg editor doesn't call into PHP. It calls into the REST API. Mm-hmm. So we knew the REST API, and you've heard me talk about it a few times over the years, was going to be the way that you WordPress would become platform neutral because you could build anything on top of it because the API mm-hmm. doesn't require you to use PHP. Yeah. So what does that mean? In order for you to get at anything in the database, you have to expose it to the REST API, uh, which has some problems. Not the REST API exposing everything through the REST API. For example, have you ever looked at the REST API? Not writing it. Have you ever actually looked at what it returns? Bits and pieces. So I'm going to I'm going to make a little suggestion. If you go to your website or any website, logged in or otherwise, and do um, assuming no changes to configuration slash wp dash json slash wp slash v two slash posts. So we'll do this for the Bafo Saco site, which you know for a fact I am not actually logged into as I yeah. do not have a login for your site. 
Uh, yeah, you don't for this one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I think I provisioned you on some test server somewhere, yeah. but not for this one. I'll verify that. Yeah, so if you actually go to that, you get the REST API. Wait, what, what, what was the path? Uh, WP-JSON slash WP slash V2 slash posts. So this is the post endpoint for the API. Now, the interesting thing is that I realized if I want to go and parse a bunch of WordPress sites that actually have their endpoint up, I can just read this. I don't have to worry about micro formats on sites that don't have them. Oh, that's actually probably not a bad or horribly slick thing. Yeah, now from the looks of it here, if you actually look at the information, you are using simple location. Because these posts here show latitude, longitude, and geo address, which I pass into the REST API. Yep. Uh, by the way, if you're worried about your privacy, uh, it does respect the public and private setting when that setting is working. I was going to say, I think you're one of your at least one of your changes recently has cleared up some of the privacy issues. That... Yeah, I have more. Uh, that's the, the unit testing. But not even including what I added in, you get the entire content here and any metadata that you've registered. So none of the microformat stuff is actually registered. Could be. Yeah. I could start registering things in post kinds and they start appearing. Or potentially could one parse this and then add them in ad hoc or overlay them? Well, again, they're in post meta. It's easy enough to just expose them. Yeah. Although this is impressive too, because this also gives, you know, all the resized versions of the photos that are thrown into post as well from what it looks like. Well, not only that, if you look, it gives you links it gives you collection information so there's a lot of information here it gives you the it it links to the endpoint for the user who published it in this case chris aldrich and it gives you an endpoint to query about users mm -hmm. so this um I, there are people who are really concerned about the fact that the rest api exposes all of this information this is a lot of data Including the shutter speed of the camera that took the photos. Yeah, I know. And I exposed the location. So if you use simple location, it will copy the information from the photo if you had a GPS attached and and uh, merged the latitude and longitude into the photo data. It'll copy it into the attachment. Yeah. So I do a lot of little enhancements. Uh, that one's a bit troublesome only because once the data is copied, it can be viewed but if it was in the photo to begin with then you would have seen it anyway yeah it just i made it easier for you to see it so totally different issue so if you look at all the data that's exposed here this is exactly what gutenberg is about it uses this mm -hmm. it doesn't go into the database any other way so if you want to know what the future is there's your future rest api hooked into gutenberg and you know, we often on this podcast end up making it very WordPress-centric for obvious reasons. We're both WordPress users. But when you realize that 30% you know, of the, let's say, the known web, the sites mm -hmm. that, that are recorded that have definable 
um, op software that they're running on are running on WordPress and all the indie web people that we're trying or future indie web people that we're trying to get in. This is what they're concerned about. And if you scroll down this page fast enough, you feel like you're in the matrix. Well, there's a lot of information about you there. Yeah. Uh, for example, I know that uh, you were apparently watching uh, the West Wing. Uh, quite a lot of it, actually, lately. Yeah. But I know that on that particular post, um, that pings are open. They are? Yeah. Well, they have. You know, if you, if you want to make comments on my West Wing watching and my West Wing habits, you know, you, that should be your right. Especially on episodes directed by Alex Graves. That I'll take your word on. I just noticed here, it's, um, you ha obviously haven't upgraded to the latest version. I, no, I have not. Not on my uh, no, of production. Po of PostCons. Yeah. No, no because uh, the latest version of PostCons actually does also expose uh, what kind it is in here. Yeah, no, you've you've but you've sent me this uh, gist. Yeah, so, that should uh, solve your problem. But I've been slowly adding more information into the REST API feed for future use. Well, you know, all this data I'm giving away for the most part on the front end and more visually consumable methods. Um, but actually, I guess if you think about it, it's uh, uh, you know. If Facebook was giving away data like this, people would would be very irked. Mostly because they just didn't know it existed. But yeah, but how many people know that this data is being exposed on WordPress sites by default? Well, I'm trying to think other than GPS coordinates, which one would have to look up and go back, but which I know are there and. Easily readable. In fact, nine times out of ten, I'm actually giving them physical street addresses and location names in addition to the GPS coordinates. So I'm not concerned, and I knew I knew this existed and was there. But again, does everyone? Yeah, I don't I'm think just, it. I'm, I'm going to keep reminding you of that because yeah. that's what. And how much you know, the REST API took a long time to put in very well designed, but there's a lot of information there that I sort of say, okay, um, do I, I don't mind a structured version of my post, but now you're, there's a lot more information here than you really expect. Yeah. Well, in my mind too, and I think I've heard at least three people this week make mention of the ridiculous fire hose of data that comes out of my site in the first place. Um, I think people, I think people have used my, site as, an, as examples of sites you don't want all of the data out of because what point are you going to do with it all um, and how or how would you filter it so that it comes down to what is the data you really want to come have coming out of my site that's going to be valuable to you um, and that becomes a more interesting and difficult question uh, but if you've got it in this type of format, then it sure makes it a whole lot easier. Oh. Although I am kind of looking at this list to see exactly how many posts worth it really is pushing out on this one page. 
And my guess is it's only maybe 10 posts. Well, uh, there are query variables to get older ones. Yeah, to, yeah, to page back. Um, but it is, it's crazy. Yep. So beyond that, since we sort of sidetracked a bit, and to get back onto IndieWeb Gutenberg and where we where we started, if you look at what might happen, we might not necessarily need any editor. Yeah, that's sort of where you know we got onto the sidetrack. Well, I think even I, I haven't heard any updates, so I don't know if anybody's actively using it. But I do remember several months ago there was a post that's there's a a subgroup of folks within the Drupal community that are building Gutenberg editor possibilities into Drupal. Yeah, I've heard that. Which I thought was at least an interesting piece in that that type of open setup potentially could bring. this piece of engineered software into the lives of more who might enjoy using it. Um, but in my mind, I, you know, I don't know that it's any better or slicker than any of the micro pub things that I've seen out there. Well, the other thing that I might do is I might put in a node interface. Yeah. I mean, if you told me that you could use Gutenberg to take and abstract all the data back out the other end as a means of moving from one CMS to another, then I might get excited. But I don't think Gutenberg Gutenberg is going to do that anytime soon. No, but that's why I'm looking at but I think ways that, to approach a problem. But I think that's more likely to be a way that websites might use the micropub spec to move from one CMS to another. Well, we'll see what happens. As I said, I might hedge my bets by doing three or four different ways of approaching the problem. Yeah. Including a one of the ones on my list was a note posting thing inside the dashboard. Mm. Mm. It's been on the list for a while. A, there actually was one, uh, I think it's still there, uh, Quick Draft. Yeah. So Quick Draft is a feature in WordPress that you can enable on the front screen, which would allow you to write a quick draft on your front page with just a title, a quick note, and a save draft button. Mm-hmm. But in theory, I could write an entire note posting interface that way. Yeah, that'd be pretty slick. And if it had... No, you could probably give you something like Quill as an example. Yeah, um, Quill's add, fairly simple. You know, and add categories and tags or kind of subversions of that. Yeah, also, if you look at the way that PostKinds does it under new, you have all of direct links to all of the enabled kinds that will take you straight into the editor with them. Mm-hmm. I could start replacing those with sort of customized pages. And I'll, if the people at... Um, WordPress can put in a different editor. Mm-hmm. Why can't I? Yeah. 
in theory. Well, I, you have essentially with Micropub. Yeah, so I'm I'm covering this in multiple ways. So Micropub will do it, but I may I'm not going to build an article writing tool, mm-hmm. but I may do like a simple note posting interface where you could just go in there with a note or a reply and very quickly do it. Yeah. That'll cover at least a few. Well, and that actually would be a good one too, because I think that's a frequently used, just writing simple, quick Twitter like notes. Yeah. In fact, actually who has, somebody was talking earlier today in one of the chat rooms um, about potentially doing something. The only thing I've seen in WordPress that's similar the O2 theme, I think, had a Twitter-like input box that you could compose a short note and post it, and it actually appeared in the theme on the front page. Yep, front front edge, front end editing. Yeah, and that is a thing. But I don't know of any themes other than the O2 or P2 themes that did that offhand. And the the quick draft in the dashboard is probably the closest to it outside of that. Well, I'll see what I can come up with. Maybe I'll surprise some people. But that would be kind of a cool. I well, and even looking at your your new front page, that's just an H card. In some sense, if you know you filled up some of the rest of that space, either at the bottom or at the top. You're saying not, with, you a, know, with, an, with a posting interface? Yeah. Just for quick short notes or maybe a photo. Just, you know, simple things. I wouldn't do it for a... That would be very interesting. A full-on article. But if you're going to your own website, let's say on mobile, on a mobile interface to do a quick post, then that interface only shows up if you're logged in, obviously. It, there's no value to it to readers who come and aren't logged in. That would be a very interesting idea. I may give that a shot. Not necessarily exactly the way you're thinking, but I'll think about how I might choose to do it. I'm starting to think of portmanteau words that use WordPress and Twitter. Or Facebook. Wordbook. Wordbook? Yeah, I'm kidding. Totally, but... That you know, that'd be a pretty slick little piece of UI to have. Although the other thing too that would be interesting would be to see more people playing around with, and I think it was Jonathan Lacour played around with it sometime in the middle of the summer, doing exports of data from Facebook and massaging them in such a way as to make them easily importable into. Uh, a modern CMS and have them display data the way you would expect to do a quick, easy export of data from a silo and then import it. And I'm kind of surprised there aren't better import tools. I, I have like WordPress that do that. Well, I have some on my list. There are things I want to import. For example, I want to import all of my bookmarks. But there's no tool for that. From Pinboard? I do have them in Pinboard. Uh, let's see, what is the current count? Uh, 38,885. Yeah, I know you haven't been doing that for a while. Doing what? 
bookmarking things. Anything I might want to read later? Yeah. I don't always come back, but I mostly use it as a searchable list of all the things I've read over the last few years. Yeah. Why? Who? So, somebody I remember mentioning that um, they had subscribed to themselves in a micro sub reader so they could tell how their site was parsed so that they could see issues with the theme or parsing and setup before anyone else noticed them and they could ideally fix them. Not a bad um, idea. But, uh, you know, I, I, I keep a, I have a feed obviously off of my site of all the bookmarks that I make, which then I pump into a feed reader and, and then use that as a means of going back and rereading old things that I, I know I want to read versus, you know, skimming down whatever is being spewed out of Twitter right now. Um, so that's actually been a pretty useful thing is to have a, a feed of things bookmarked on my own site that gets thrown into a feed reader. And I don't know, I don't know if that's a common use case or that anybody else really does that to an extent. Well, just remember once there's a micro sub reader that's built into your website, there'll be a lot of cool little tricks that will come from it. Yeah. I have a few that I'm planning that I'm not going to talk about. Oh, come on. Spill the beans so everybody else can start working on it. Not sure I'm going to. Now, are these ideas things that uh, Aaron doesn't even have up and running? Sometimes. Okay. There are a few that um, I've seen on his that um, the way that I would want to do it would be different. Uh, does Does the avatar on your website is displayed on a mobile phone, uh, reorient itself as you tilt your phone. Are you suggesting that I have the eyes follow you around as you, (laughs) well, it's, it's almost the equivalent of that. I, 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 and I'm sure he probably built it as a little tweak at a camp somewhere, but I didn't realize until this afternoon I was, I was looking at a photo of somebody holding a phone at Indy, one of the camps in Germany. And I was looking at the photo once I realized it was from Indy Web Camp, and I was like, oh, that looks like Aaron's site, but the, fo- the photo on his avatar is, like, at an angle. What's going on? And then I pulled it up on my own phone and realized it. The eyes don't follow you, but the, the head tilts as you tilt your phone. I did not notice that. It was kind of cute and fun and whimsical. He has several cute and fun and whimsical things on his site. You know. But I did not, I'm looking at that right now, but I did not know that he did that. Well, with just a weird coincidence of like things that I noticed a photo on somebody else's post had it. And I was like, wait, what's going on? I'm but sure I, uh, there's an API for that. <laughs> Detecting device. Oh, here we are. Detecting device orientation. Okay, I'm tempted to do something with that. I don't know what I would do with it, but I'm 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 bookmarking that. Uh, You know, you could be making posts from, uh, you know, roller coasters that uh, present differently depending on 
the orientation of your phone while you're riding the roller coaster. I don't know. Well, we'll see. All kinds of possibilities. Well, right now, I have a few more things to finish up. All right. Well, we said we were going to make this short. Never. So now that, now that we're at the beginning of the second hour. Actually, I need a, t- a timer clock that says how far we're in. So we don't go too long. But well, um, I have my on the air sign here. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else we should cover before the... Uh, oh, what do you want to accomplish may before see, the we, end of the year? You hear me talking see, about all the dreams that I'm going to hopefully build that you may enjoy, uh-huh. but... Well, I've got a handful of posts that I'm 2,000 words into that I need to finish editing, trim down a little, uh, and get out the door. Um, we've got a big, long one on uh, Micropub. I've got another one on uh, Microblog and some thoughts about that. Um, well, I have one project that I'm hoping that Somebody will help me with. Oh, what's that? Well, so far, um, Indigenous for Android has uh, incorporated a lot of uh, little features that I've asked for. Yeah. That I've used. Uh, so I happen to have um, a feature that I'm going to build in simple locations to allow Indigenous for Android to query all of my providers. So if you the hope was if you press the location button, which is an option in Indigenous for Android, but not in the mm-hmm. iOS version, by the way. Yeah. He hasn't put in location. That it would go out to, it would query the Micropub endpoint with the latitude and longitude and come back with a textual description that you could edit inside the app of where you are. That's like... Well, um, a lot of mobile client, mobile posting clients already do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems that was being experienced was that he'd have to write the, the reverse geolocation code. I already have that code. So all I have to do is make it so that the micropub endpoint, when queried, will return that information. That could be fun. Or easy. I'm already, I uh-huh. already have a REST API endpoint for it. A micropub query is not that hard. It's the same thing. I'm already returning the information. You just, and you want somebody to do that while you're tinkering at other things? Do what? Writing that piece. Oh, I'm going to write it. Oh, you're going to do it. Okay. Yeah, but then I have to wait. Um, there's a code for using Indigenous. I have to wait till 2019 for that information to be used for anything. Oh, okay. I, yes. that, that part I didn't know about. Yes. How dare the developer go and enjoy Christmas? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's one of those things you and during the biggest busiest holiday sale season, who in their right mind would want to push a massive breaking bulk of code? Me. You know, because I don't celebrate Christmas and I get all this time off for it. Other people or, are celebrating. Or or even Hanukkah. Um I push things during Hanukkah. Yeah, no, I why not? You know, for, maybe for by me, the time Hanukkah comes up next year, I'll have the you know the little animated menorah on my site. Well, I just uh, I don't know. I think it was yesterday. I I did add a, a small little um, 
ugly sweater background for the holidays to to my website. Oh, is that meant to be an ugly sweater? I wasn't sure. I, I yeah, it's a, but or I, it's an ugly sweater pattern with I think Christmas trees and snowflakes. But I was sort of inspired by um, the idea of a holiday overlay. Yeah, I have a, a list of all of these like weird Easter egg type things I considered doing on my site that I don't know if anybody but me would find amusing. Like like a barrel roll, maybe. Uh no. No, mine would be sort of uh, like I considered building Jewish holiday mode. And and what would that do? Well, rain, the, rain it, guilt. Well, it depends on exactly how uh, involved I want to be with it. Uh, for one, it, you know, um, from the time the sun goes down on Friday to the time that it goes down on Saturday, it would change the appearance of the site to all black. Really? What is it? Morning. And, well, unless you have somebody, you know, to type keys and search queries in for you. Well, I was just thinking of, you know, changing things slightly so that the, the color scheme looked a little different yeah. at certain times. Now, if I, good. yeah, well, you know, to that vein, I considered actually making, giving the site a night mode. Yeah. Which is sort of an interesting challenge considering how do you know where the person viewing the site is although there's a bunch of things you can do with that yeah so there are all these little you know i was looking at uh, eddie hinkle who put in snow that he um he commented since he implemented the feature where it will snow on his website if it's snowing outside of his house yeah it hasn't snowed (laughs) and probably won't ever again yeah but i it inspired me i want to put in some more atmospheric stuff yeah i think there's a There's a couple of weather apps for mobile phones that do that so that when it's raining where you are, the kind of the background of the weather app shows, you know, like rain beating against a window or something. That that would be kind of cool. And living in New York, actually, you can get enough variety of weather that that actually means something. Well, all of my weather um, stuff is sort of very simplistic. That's why the app was called Simple Location, but... I may up my game slightly, yeah. but um, I'm better on the data side than I am on the visual side. So anything with visual is sort of a challenge for me. Well, we'll we'll come up with something. I'm sure. I don't think I did too poorly with the with the kind widget. Oh no! That was the last. That was the last visual thing that I did. But well, I think even with some of that kind of stuff, it's the. Simple and easy and straightforward so that in a plain vanilla sense, it will fit in with the largest variety of themes out of the box. And it is stylable. And then if you want us to go in and style it and really go crazy, then you can. Um, But sometimes I think there's a few plugins that probably go overboard in terms of trying to do stylistic things that go way above the plain vanilla that you all you you put it in you install it and then you immediately want to pull back um in fact one of the things uh i was thinking about that and i i can't find any documentation i haven't seen any documentation on it but i've got to imagine there is a kind of standard wordpress widget style guide because I noticed things like um, 
a simple location. When I put in mo most widgets it, in the 2016 theme, it gives you a nice dark bar at the top to indicate there's a new section. And you want to know the, why that dark bar is not there? And the new widget shows up. And it, but it doesn't in simple location. Yeah, I, I fixed it. I don't know if it's... It was a mistake. I fixed it. Oh, okay. Uh, as an interesting coincidence, somebody recently pointed out to me that exact issue. And not even that it was an issue. I think it actually it looked fine the way it was, but it just... It was non-standard. Kind of a non-standard thing. But I actually looked to see if I could find a... How should widgets be generally written and styled so that they work on the vast majority of sites yeah, and look all the same? Yeah, the issue is that um, by default, WordPress wraps the widget in markup, and I wasn't wrapping properly. So it now does actually have the surroundings. I fixed that problem. Yeah. And again, okay. I probably liked it more without the, the wrapping for at least things like the weather widget. Yeah. However, back to the a more practical problem, which is that is actually now correct. Yeah. Okay. I, so maybe I just need to upgrade it, but I actually know uh, that's still in uh, for, I fixed it in, I found out about it when somebody pointed out that I had made that mistake in the, in the menu widget. Mm. So it's fixed in the menu widget, but it's not fixed in the simple location widget. It is in, in the dev version, but not in the production version. Okay. So when I finish all these other updates, you will see bars around your widget. But because so, that makes it look sort of weird, I've uh, I need to rearrange the widget a little. So then, I'll, well, I think the other thing, or maybe I changed it manually as possible too, because um, I think I went in and changed some of the CSS uh, to change the font, which is um, fine. So maybe that maybe that's my fault, and I just forgot have forgotten I've done it. Um, yeah, well, there are a few other things I might actually build the widget into the theme. So you add that bar back, and I'm just going to have to go in and tweak the CSS to remove it out again. Yeah, but the bar is not a bar per se. It's a it's what the theme dictates is supposed to be around a widget. Oh yeah. That's well, a, a stylistic choice by on the part of the theme. Yeah, but I was excluding it. So, what I will probably do is um, the 2016 theme will have a, an option to show the weather not as a widget, as part of the theme itself. Where would you do that, though? Probably in the menu bar. So something roughly like, I think Aaron Parecki kind of does that. He's got a little weather icon in the top. Well, it looks a lot better up there. If you... Yeah. Uh, he does. He has a whole bar at the top with uh, his weather, his battery, and local time. And I may, well, I may reproduce that a little, because remember, I do local time as well. Widgetizing that stuff so that it's kind of injectable almost anywhere is a useful thing. Well, everything I have, um, the way that the HCard widget is designed, the Realme widget, both in the IndieWeb plugin, um, they're both designed so that you could actually just execute the function that generates them, not as a widget. I stopped mm -hmm. short of making them a short code, but... Oh, don't do short codes. 
Nobody wants their short code. Well, but they work. Although, admittedly, they don't work in mm-hmm. Gutenberg. But well, and then there's that issue too. <laughs> yeah, but I make I've made most of these things so that if, if you run the function, you get the same output as the widget uses. Yeah. So the widget is just a UI for the function, which again protects me and allows me to integrate into the theme. So if you have simple location installed and you use the 2016 fork, the location doesn't appear below the content like it would on a non-aware theme. It actually appears on the side because I'm, yeah. I'm running that same function in a specific. I got to check and make sure I'm still doing that. I can't remember if that was hiding in my parent theme or I put it in the child. Well, in the last version, I did make a change that um, I'm once again showing the location in the feed view, which I wasn't before. Oh, that's nice. I was hiding it deliberately, but I decided that I wanted it there. Well, that way when you like something, people will know exactly... Well, it was just I kept. I was looking through my list of check-ins, and I couldn't figure out the location I checked in on. So, oh yeah, and that's definitely more fun and usable to have in in that instance. So I'm going to suggest we wrap up. It was a nice conversation. I will be putting out a copy of it for posterity. Woo-hoo. I always find when we do this earlier, I'm a little more perky though. The later we oh, do it, you may yeah. notice the more sedate I am. Uh, well, until the very end, and then, you know, the full sugar rush kicks in. Oh, I haven't had a sugar rush in a long time. Well, I cut down on carbs. And that's a good thing, especially going into the holidays. Going out of the I holidays. I wish I could say that, but, you know, I still have about 20 latkes left. Nothing wrong with a good locker. Oh, no. I recommend zucchini. Zucchini's not bad. I like a good shallot, though. Well, you know that classic song about um, how to make latkes, right? Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. Well, the one in, um, if you didn't notice, I actually put together a YouTube Hanukkah playlist and posted it. Yeah, I saw that one including a latke recipe song. Didn't you have something? Was it you that did that last year? What? There was a a handful of... I could have sworn it was a playlist of videos. Maybe somebody else did it. I'll have to dig it up. Yeah, well, I did do one this this time. Let's see, where's that video? So you can enjoy a latke recipe video. There you go. But I think now that we've diverted into... um, yeah, Hanukkah Lock- music videos. Yeah, and Lofka recipes. Well, I think I. Well, you know that that I, that the only um there the only difference between a Lofka recipe and a Kugel recipe is quantity. Well, and even if you vary the quantity, yeah, you're doing it wrong. How so? You're pro Lofka and anti Kugel. I know. Either way, it should be a lot. <laughs> The difference being that you take the same thing that you would make for a for a kugel, and then you separate it into smaller pieces and fry it in a pan, and that's a latke. Yeah, it uses the exact same ingredients. It's just individual pancakes or an actual casserole type dish. 
Oh, the good old days where I used to hand make Google. Well, when you are hand doing lockas, you become really supremely impressed at the amount of water weight you can get out of a potato. I know. I, I used to make hundreds of them. I worked in a kitchen. Oh. Cool. So I, you know, it's it's no wonder it's a a holiday about oil and lights because it takes eight days to squeeze that kind of water out of even ten pounds of potato. Well, uh, for anybody who is now suddenly hungry, uh, go and get yourself some latkes. Just remember, uh, you do not have to celebrate Hanukkah to enjoy a potato pancake. Oh no. Nope, they're good all season long. Yep. And I had a whole assortment. Not only did I have, I had a little potato for tradition, but I also had sweet potato and zucchini. And every so often, you know, I'd go into the spinach category too. Yeah. Well, I do have some spinach left over. Maybe I'll try that tomorrow. Oh, enjoy. And on that all note, right. I'm going to go head to bed. Sounds good. Have a good one. It's been fun as usual. Good night, any webs.